Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. On today's episode, I have Holly Perkins. Holly has a Bachelor of Science in Exercise Physiology and is a Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist. She is the author of the women's health book, Lift to Get Lean, and a regular contributor to Shape Prevention, Women's Health, Self, BuzzFeed, and Live Strong. Welcome to the podcast, Holly. Thank you. Super excited to be here. I'm so excited to to chat with you and have you on. And I would love if we could just dive into your personal health story and really what got you into this field and then your journey in this field as well would be amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, where to start? So it'll be a little backwards to the way that you just introduced that. Um, But I, from the very, very young age, had a real soulful connection to the fitness industry. I just developed a love of exercise at a very young age, and I literally followed my bliss. I ended up going to college for exercise physiology and nutrition. I got an incredible um, education at the Pennsylvania State University. I was able to go to New York City and become a personal trainer and work with a lot of A-list celebrities. And so my career started in fitness largely just because I always loved it. And I just kind of followed that. So I've been in the fitness industry for 30 years now, which is crazy. And um, when I got into my 20s and 30s, I really started to confront some health issues that were a bit mysterious. Um, Every time I would go to see a doctor, I would always get a very clean bill of health. I ate well, I exercised well. But I was always dealing with symptoms of depression. So throughout my adult life, very long story short, I realized that probably why I gravitated towards fitness at a young age was because it was an antidepressant for me. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, as you know, with hormones and just life change, our health gets more complicated the older that we get. So I've been in the fitness industry forever. I shifted from being a personal trainer. I wrote my book, Lift to Get Lean, which is a strength training book for women. And I then really started focusing on very specifically helping women to create the body that you need to keep up with life. My own personal health journey really got, I would like to say, interesting, very interesting and very complicated about... um, Five or six years ago, my mysterious health issues um, got really debilitating and very, very severe. Um, It looked like extreme anxiety, extreme exhaustion. Um, I was confused. I couldn't put sentences together. I was trying to write a book. Um, Extreme weakness, like weight loads in the gym that I used to be able to do, I couldn't do anymore. I was just falling apart at the seams. I mean, it was really, really, really bad to the point where I I literally had to tap out. Um, Very long story short, I was living in an apartment that had toxic mold and it triggered dormant Lyme disease, which I never even knew that I had until a handful of years ago and a pretty severe autoimmune disorder. I'm still in the process of getting it diagnosed, but it looks like it's probably lupus and or potentially MS um, or um, even just uh, rheumatoid arthritis. Haven't gotten it fully diagnosed yet. Not sure that I will. And that really caused a shift in my life, a major, major, major shift in my life, um, which really reinforced my mission, which is 
Um, this isn't going to be a popular thing to say, and I know it's not going to sound like the optimistic thing you want to hear from a health and fitness expert, but I really believe that if someone like myself, who was really the epitome of health and fitness, I was in peak shape at 44 and I got slammed by an illness. And I really have cultivated this philosophy that it's not a function of if you face a health crisis, it's a function of when. And I know that's not popular, but I really believe that if I provide the resources for you to build up your armor and to fortify your body in all ways, you're going to be able to navigate any future challenges better, even if it's along the lines of mental health or emotional issues or or depression like I had, or something as full-blown as cancer or troubling menopause or any other potential disease that you can get. And so my passion really these days is educating most specifically women around ways that you can become stronger on a very deep level, not just buff, not just skinny jeans, but building up that armor so that you feel powerful in life in all ways. And when the time comes for you to cross that bridge of a health crisis, you'll be fortified for it and be able to walk through it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. There's, I mean, there's so much there that sparked so many things that I want to talk about. And, and I believe your unique perspective of going through those health challenges. And like you said, going to the gym can be an antidepressant, but for someone who maybe has Lyme, lupus, depression is exhausted. Can you speak to giving them any tips and tricks when they know the gym will make them feel better and, you know, more resilient and building up that armor. But even getting to the gym is just exhausted when you do have some of those health issues. Oh gosh, it's tricky. And it's so hard. I never historically had any issues with motivation or discipline. I got up, I went to the gym because I was so passionate and I so loved it. And when you start to deal with real fatigue and exhaustion, whether it's, I also have a thyroid, I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis, so I've got a thyroid issue, which really zaps your energy, or if it's an adrenal issue or a hormonal imbalance, whatever it may be, when you're tired, the last thing you want to do is exercise. But the truth is that is the thing that's going to allow you to have more stamina and to really navigate your ailments or your symptoms so much better. And so the biggest thing for me really is I have to stay so mindful on those days that what I want in the long term for myself is to feel better. And I really have to remember that means going to the gym. Now, I'm a strength training expert. It doesn't mean that um, exercise has to be strength training for you. It could be yoga. It could be dance. It could be anything. I just happen to be particularly passionate about strength training. But the key is to remember that if you approach your exercise programming and your workouts the right way, it's really going to make you feel better. One thing that a lot of people overlook, or I should say is still an emerging conversation in our field, is this conversation around inflammation. We do know that a lot of these 
diseases and symptoms that we've just talked about here are inflammation-based. Um, even Lyme disease is inflammation-based, thyroid issues, any kind of an autoimmune disorder is inflammation-based. And part of the value of exercise is that it's pro-inflammatory. We need it to be inflammatory so that you rest, recover, and become stronger or fitter or leaner or whatever it may be. So the skill and the art for people like me and us is you've got to learn your edge where you're able to stay active just enough to make you better, but not so much to really inflate that inflammatory response because that's when you're going to get knocked down the next day. So hard workouts are a thing of the past for me. I have to be very careful with the intensity of my workouts. And as long as I find that like perfect edge, I feel awesome, but I can't, I can't do anything high intensity. I can't do any type of a hit workout, a boot camp class. I can't lift too heavy. I can't exercise two days in a row. I mean, there's a lot of just sort of, um, rules and practices that I have to follow. But the key for someone who's struggling with motivation, I would say is like, what do you want for yourself tomorrow or down the road? Do you want to feel better? Because exercise will get you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. And I agree with everything you're saying. And I know you're the expert in, in strength training. So can you speak to the benefits of strength training or lower impact for these types of illnesses compared to something like, you know, what we were used to in the past, like, if you want to get lean, you have to do cardio, you have to do hit and, you know, spinning classes every day of the week. So can you speak to the benefits of more of that strength training? Yeah, the thing that I know that research really points to, as well as my own experience, is that as we get older, your the effectiveness of cardio goes down. So as soon as your hormones start to shift, and there are a lot of reasons why for women, hormones can, can shift. They're so unique to every single one of us. And it really is a picture of your lifestyle. And I know, you know, some women deal with hormone issues in their 20s and 30s. And then when you get into your 40s, it's a different conversation around hormones. But Cardio and estrogen is a little complicated. It's a very complicated dance. As we get older, cardio is just less effective, especially intense cardio. Most of my clients and the women that I work with come to me saying that they're doing more and tons of cardio and they're only getting more body fat. And that is what we see because of the relationship with estrogen. A big reason why I've become even more of a fan of strength training is because if you think about it, it's a form of interval training on a much reduced scale. So generally, if the intensity of your set is right in any kind of strength training, you've got 30 seconds of intensity, and then you get a little bit of a recovery, and then you do it again. And that really allows someone who's struggling with energy to be able to exert and then relax, exert and then restore and regenerate. So it's a little bit more supportive um, when you can't go, go, go in a continuous repetitive way like most cardio is, right? That's the essence of cardio for the most part. The other thing about strength training that's super powerful is if you think about it. Energy is complex. 
part of energy is our physical stamina. Something a lot of people don't realize is that your physical body is held up in space because of your muscles, not your bones. So you're going to have better stamina if your muscles are strong and balanced. They hold you upright in space against gravity so that you've got more stamina, so that it's not this double whammy of, of let's call it metabolic energy issues versus physical energy issues. And so it's a really great way to lessen the load because you're letting your muscles hold you up. Even if you're sitting at your desk, even if you're grocery shopping or in the car, your muscles are responsible for holding you up in space. And when they are strong and in balance, it really, really brings a different um, kind of energetic life to your day so that then you can deal with the other aspects of lagging energy or fatigue that have to get addressed maybe nutritionally or um, through rest or mindfulness or something like that. Mm -hmm. You kind of answered my question. We'll see if you have anything else to add to it. But I was going to ask how the different types of energy relate to age and, you know, as we get older, <laughs> just the benefits of strength training and, and, you know, maybe your exercise has changed as well over the years. And, and I'm sure even if we're looking way down the line, I can see a lot of benefit of even just, you know, like hip strength and stuff like that to prevent a super common injury. Or when you're building muscle, you're standing taller, you're more confident and how that plays a big role in weight loss and, and all that type of stuff. So if you have anything else to contribute with exercise and, and, you know, going through the life stages. I mean, gosh, you just touched on so many really valuable aspects. And I say, yes, 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 yes. Everything you just said. <laughs> so yes. Right. Um, I think, I think probably the one that I'll, I'll um, glom on there because it's so, I think, misunderstood and it's such a big part of my life is that depending on what decade of life that you're in, when you get to your late 30s, early 40s, um, estrogen starts to shift and decline and get very unsteady. Estrogen is one of those hormones that really keeps us youthful and gives us energy. And so as your estrogen comes down, you've got this added element of fatigue issues. So I know from my own personal experience, before I figured out that I needed to address my estrogen issue, I mean, I was just like depleted and exhausted all the time, but I noticed that when I would do the right kind of strength training and I would minimize my cardio, if I stayed consistent, my, it was the opposite. My energy would be great. And as soon as I take a break from strength training, whether it's a vacation or I get lazy or I get off track, if I get too far away from my strength training, I'm really struggling, like really, really, really struggling. And so it's almost become... Um, a must do. Otherwise the days get real challenging and a little dark for me. So the way my per my own personal journey has been, which I think a lot of women are going to um, come to find this to be true for themselves in time is that I do way less cardio and way more strength training proportionately than I've ever done. But because of the strength training, I do way less exercise overall 
than mm-hmm. I used to do. And I'm still able to maintain a pretty good physique. I am not super duper fit right now and I would never claim to be, but I think most people would agree I'm in, I'm in reasonable shape and it's all strength training with very, very, very little cardio. I think that's the way of the future for women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you're all into the way of the future for women. And for someone who is maybe just starting on their fitness journey and, you know, the gym can be super intimidating, you know, this conversation potentially could be intimidating just for with some of the terms. Can you just break down what strength training is? What does that look like? Is it lifting weights? Because I know some people are really intimidated to start with weights. So just walk us through some of that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that prompt. That's awesome. Because, you know, this is this is my conversation. So, of course, I assume everybody's, you know, exercising. And that's not true. Um, exercising is intimidating. It absolutely is. So I went to Penn State, which at the time was one of the best universities in the world. And I was studying, actually, my original degree was athletic training because I wanted to work with athletes. And then I got into exercise physiology and I had to take a strength training class with Bill Kramer, who is still like an industry leader in strength training. And I remember I was educated and I was studying with the best of them. I was so intimidated going into the weight room especially if there's men in there and you're a woman. It, it's so, and even if it's all women and you're a woman, it's still intimidating. It's just intimidating. So um, if you feel that way, like welcome home, we all do. And when you see a woman in the gym who looks confident or feels confident in the gym, it's just because she's been doing it and she's gotten more comfortable. So you really can get more comfortable. If you're new in terms of this conversation around strength training, I think my message would be, you have to do it. Please, please, please promise me you will do whatever you have to do to do it. I'll give you a free resource to make it easy. Um, You've got to find your way to do it. A great way to start is to start at home so that you can start to kind of understand the terminology or some of the exercises so that when you go to the gym and then you do those same exact exercises from home, you do them at the gym, the same exact exercises that you've been practicing, then you can kind of look around, get acclimatized to the gym, and then maybe you try out a piece of equipment or maybe you try a new exercise that you saw on YouTube or Instagram And slowly, if you go in with some level of education and a program, you're going to feel a lot more confident. I'm going to give you the definition of strength training in a moment, but I think what has helped me in the past and always helps my clients is when they have a program they're following. Because if you go into the gym with a program, it's no longer about you. A piece of paper is telling you, do this do this and do this. And there's something really um, confidence building when you know that you're following a program. It takes that responsibility off of you. And I know a lot of my clients have said they've really cultivated their confidence that way because it's like, Holly's in charge. She told me what to do. Or even if you can't hire a coach, find a really good program on the internet. Some expert created that for you and it'll give you confidence. Strength training, in short, in the simplest terms, is any, I like to talk about strength training as it relates to the musculoskeletal system, your muscles, not your fitness level, not your cardiovascular fitness. I'm very specifically talking about the strength and the balance 
of your muscles and the percentage of your body that is muscle. And the way that we get stronger, the way that we um, inspire better muscle function is to push or pull those muscles, any muscles against a force that's a little harder than what we can currently do. So if you go into the gym or you pick up some dumbbells at home and you learn bicep curls at home, if it's not a little effortful, you're not going to be taxing the muscles so that they get better. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused, especially women, is they think that if they do this exercise, it's going to change their body. And while that exercise is great, it really does have to be at a certain intensity that's actually harder than what you're capable of right now. And you can apply that to anything. It could be yoga. It absolutely could be. It could be calisthenics. It could be a bar class. If you're pushing or pulling against a force that's harder than what you can currently do, it's considered strength training. I happen to love traditional strength training, barbells and dumbbells and the leg press in the gym. I happen to really like that because it's pure and simple. Um, but, you know, a lot of people will say Pilates and yoga are strength training to a degree. Wonderful. I'm the same as most of your clients as well. I love going into the gym and having that. This is exercise one and you do this with this many reps this many times. And I'm like, great. I love a little <laughs> checklist. I'm like, okay, got it. I can do that. And yeah, you go in with so much more confidence when you're coming at it from that perspective. So I absolutely love that. And your other tip of starting at home, you know, if that's where you're comfortable at, if that's where you're starting for sure, start at home and, and then build up that courage. And one thing I know has helped me is just the mindset of, you think everybody's looking at you, but everybody is thinking the same thing. Everybody's thinking, everybody's looking at me. And then we're all just consumed with how we look. And nobody is looking at you. Anyway. It's so true. My gosh, I love it. It's so true. And we all do it. We all do it. Yeah, that's why I was like, okay, they're concerned if I'm looking at them. And I'm concerned if they're looking at me when really we're just concerned with ourselves. So just if you can get that in your mind and just do your workout, do it for, for yourself. And the other thing, if you're open to talking about it, you did mention a little bit of working out for the, you know, more than your body. There's also that, that mental aspect. And if you could touch on that a little bit, what that looks like for you and, and that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I think we are finally moving out of the dark ages where fitness was about ripped abs and skinny jeans. And listen, if, if your motivation is ripped abs and skinny jeans, go for it because it's a lot of fun. I've been there. I hope to get back to that. It's wonderful. And I'm not knocking that at all. But the truth is, it, that's not all that motivating for a lot of people. And we need strength training in particular, exercise in general, but strength training in particular for a quality of life, not just what you look like, not just for fitness, but it really serves you to improve the quality of your life. Absolutely mood, confidence, any symptoms um, around depression, or even if you have maybe um, self-image challenges, which 
If you're a woman, you probably do. I feel like we all do. Not that men don't, but you know, there aren't too many women that don't have some degree of kind of self-confidence or self-image issues or even self-esteem maybe. And there's something about strength training in particular. This is proven by research that when you strengthen your physical body, it does have a transference, if you will, to your spirit, to your mood, to how you see yourself. When you feel strong, you feel strong. And when you feel strong, you tend to walk through your life being strong. And that is backed by research. But the biggest thing, it's like, you know, for those of us that really do struggle with just self-doubt or, um, you know, uh, um, what is it Taylor Swift always says? Not self-hatred, but she says self, not self or more self, um, self-loathing. Taylor Swift is big and talking about self-loathing, right? Which I think is common for a lot of us. If you really get your body strong and you feel good in your body, you're going to feel very different about those mood or mindset-based things. Um, and not to mention, so I'm working on my next book. And the message of this book is that there are so many aspects of your life that we now know through research can be improved from strength training. Just as you mentioned, you mentioned pelvic strength, and we're alluding to osteoporosis and osteopenia, your bone health. We know that strength training helps to improve and balance out hormones, whether it's estrogen or testosterone or progesterone or even cortisol. Strength training really helps to bring better balance to your hormones and to the catecholamines that influence our energy. And so there's a lot of reasons to do it. You'll see that if you're able to stay committed and consistent with some kind of a strength training protocol, let's say if you could do it for three to four months, you're going to start to watch your life change in a lot of ways. You'll look back and you'll go, wow, I socialize differently. I spend money differently. I eat differently. I'm more confident when I have hard conversations with loved ones or family or friends. It really does impact your life in big ways. Mm, And I can totally see that and, and attest to that. And I had been off my fitness journey, just going through some career burnout and stuff like that. But I was like, okay, it's time. I need to, like you said, you know, start feeling better for my mood. And since starting that implementation of getting in a workout in the morning, depending, I love doing the cycle syncing. So wherever I'm at in my cycle and honoring whether I do want to do more strength training or do more yin yoga and I can totally attest to when I get my workout in the morning, everything for the rest of the day is so much easier. I can do twice everything on my to-do list. It just, then I'm motivated after I get my exercise and I'm motivated to make a really good breakfast and, and then I'm motivated to eat better. And then, yeah, I go throughout my day more confident, more energy. And so it may be hard just to get that push to go to the gym or turn on the the app or, you know, find that that um, program online, but once you do, it's everything else comes so much easier. And and the mood I found changed really quickly compared to seeing the physical body change, but right away I could see a difference in my mood and my confidence. So I totally can attest to that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. And I really love what you said, which I think is really, really important is um, really syncing your activity with your cycle is super productive. And I think that's very wise because you are going to have days where you biologically have less energy. And that might not be the day to strength train, or it might not be the day if you're someone who likes to run, or if you do like hit workouts or boot camp classes, that might not be the day for that. And uh, that really, I love that you said that because I think that's a really smart thing for people to incorporate in their exercise because my clients come to me all the time and they're like, I've been feeling so good for nine days straight. And then I went to the gym today and I just had nothing in me. And I think it's really important to be like, well, where, you know, where is your hormone cycle at this point? Because absolutely, I believe that could be a big part of it. Oh, big time. Even, yeah, energy, like you said, showing up and you're like, why can't I lift as much today? Like, what is going on? And it's like, well, you know, your hormones are changing, like you said. So I'm loving, can't wait for your new book to to come out and talk about, you know, how our hormones change through through that. And I that that relationship is so fascinating, even with dopamine and serotonin and some of those mood hormones too. It's so fascinating. Yep. We are, here's how I think of it. This is a big one. We really are creatures that are meant to be physical. We really are. Like your body, every single person listening, every single person on this earth, I don't care if you're 200 pounds overweight and you've never exercised a day in your life, your body is actually really designed for physical activity. And therefore, because it's designed for that, so many of your biological processes are linked to you being an active human. And everything, just like you said, everything seems to fall in place because it's what we're built for. You know, if you could imagine you had a Ferrari or um, a very fast motorcycle or some kind of a machine or even an airplane. So even if you don't know much about, um, you know, cars and motorcycles and airplanes, if you have a high performance machine and you put it in the garage and you leave it there for three years, it can actually ruin a vehicle. Like that vehicle can be ruined. I think boats are the same way as well. Like it, it, you've just ruined that vehicle. The human body is exactly the same way. If you're not actually using it, you're going to lose function over time in a variety of ways because it's what we're designed for. And again, I think this is where it's like a lot of people, you know, my, my, Historically, I was in the fitness industry. And even though fitness is a huge part of what I do, I don't really consider myself in the fitness industry. But a lot of people think of fitness as like going to get fit so I look good. And while that's important and I honor that, and it's a a really beautiful thing to take care of your image and want to look good, to me, it's the last reason to be exercising. So if you struggle, you know, with this, it might be because you think you're exercising to look good, but you really don't care too much about that, right? And these other aspects of your health, I think, are so much more motivating. Mm-hmm. Big time. And we should be treating our bodies like the Ferrari, you know, like we should be going out and treating it really well and exercising. And so I love how you related that back into it because, yeah, why aren't we treating our bodies like, you know, the prized car possession? And we should totally be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
Um, I use that analogy quite a bit with a Ferrari. And if you read my next book, the analogy will be in there. Um, You know, there are Ferraris that are multiple millions of dollars, you know, and there are, um, you know, NASCAR cars. I don't, I don't even know that much about the sport, by the way, but there are, you know, automotive racing vehicles that are multiple millions of dollars and therefore highly sophisticated, as you can imagine, the human body is infinitely more sophisticated than that Ferrari or that impressive machinery. We are so, so sophisticated and capable of so much more of even that just like wildly sophisticated machinery that you can think of. Mm-hmm. And we know too from research in the blue zones how important it is to exercise and of course nourish our bodies and and how important those two are together. So I would love to get your thoughts on some of the nutrition piece and how that has to relate back to strength training and and mood and energy. So if we could start just by breaking down some of the macronutrients and the role of their importance in in the body. Yeah. So I think we're in a culture now of eat this, don't eat that, right? Or follow this diet or not that diet. And I think we've um, kind of gotten into this place where it's like, um, kale is good and, um, you know, fruit is bad or brown rice is good and table sugar is bad. And the way that I see it is a little differently. I look at nutrition from the perspective of the three macronutrients, as you mentioned. And the three macronutrients are those protein, fat, and carbohydrates that are in the foods that we eat. And they are the only thing that make up calories. So when we talk about calories, calories are energy. It is our fuel. Calories and calorie counting has gotten a bad rap. But if you're not eating enough, you don't have the energy that you need, especially if you're exercising. And so it's really important to understand that calories are the energy in so that we can have some energy out. And there is a relationship with that. So you do want to be strategic about it. You don't have to be obsessive. You don't have to calorie count down to you know every individual calorie, but it's important to know where you are because the three macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates, each one of those um, serves different functions in your body. And we can talk about what they, what each one of them really is responsible for in a very simplified way. But more importantly than that, we know from hundreds of years of medical science that the human body is actually designed to run best when we get a mixture of all three of those macronutrients. So I am not a fan of the keto diet or the carnivore diet. I think it is absolutely ridiculous. I think they are both, they could be very helpful for people who have medical conditions. If you're under a medically supervised program, a ketogenic diet can be very helpful for people with autoimmune disease or um, epilepsy or anything like that, multiple sclerosis, et cetera, et cetera. But for most average people, we need to be eating a balance of protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And more specifically, The human body is designed by mother nature to run best between 55, about, about 45 to 60% of the food that you eat coming from carbohydrates. 
Now that's not high carb, but it's not low carb. And so a lot of times what I've seen women come to me who have been doing low carb or keto for years and years and years, and they come to me because they are exhausted. And as soon as I get them up to even as little as 45% or even 40% of their daily calories coming from carbs, all of a sudden their energy is completely different. So a big issue, if you are struggling with energy um, and mood, you might not be getting enough carbohydrates and you might not be getting enough calories because both of those things are associated with your body working optimally. And yes, protein and fat are, uh, protein and fat are important, but I think where people have really been misled and misunderstood in our misunderstanding the headlines is that carbs are not the devil. They, if you eat too many, that can cause a problem. If you eat too few, it can cause a problem. You really are meant to be in the middle. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love your stance on that. And, and yeah, just like you said, you might not be getting enough carbs and calories in order to sustain your workout and, and see your results. And oftentimes what I see, especially when women are are coming and trying to lose weight, is they started the latest fad diet, which anytime anyone goes on a diet right away, it's typically lower calorie. And then so you have lower calories. And then let's say, yeah, if it is keto or um, the carnivore diet, then of course, carbs are super low. And then they're coming and they're exhausted. And they're like, well, I, you know, after I do one workout, I'm just so tired. How am I supposed to get up tomorrow and do another workout? I just don't see how this is sustainable. Yeah, it's really true. Working out and low carb is not compatible, guys. That That's like competing intentions. If you want to be someone who exercises, and maybe even gets real fit, you can't be on a low carb diet. If you're a man and you're 27, sure. But women are quite different. That's why I focus exclusively on women in my practice because we're so different. But it's true, you know, and then Alex, what I wanted to say to your point, which I think is super important is part of this puzzle too, is if she starts on a diet that's radically different than how she normally eats, And it's lower calorie, as you said, or if maybe it's lower carbohydrate. And then, as you said, you know, you're tired or exhausted. That really sets you up for a binge cycle. And even if it's not a full on eating disorder, we don't feel good when we crash and then binge in any way. I binge, you know, like I don't, I would never consider it disordered eating, but it has been in the past. But if that then makes you feel bad about yourself, then that makes you feel failed. That makes you feel like, what's wrong with me? I started this diet and I ended up eating an entire pizza. It's not your fault. It's the diet's fault. And largely it's because the calories were too low for what your body needs or the carbohydrates were drastically different than what you had been eating, right? Because if you go from no carbs to high carbs, you're not going to feel good. And if you go from high carbs to no carbs, you're not going to feel good. And so a lot of it is diet is honestly, everything is, it starts with your diet. Your diet is everything. It's everything. And it is what's going to set you up to have success with your exercise program, whatever your exercise program looks like. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, so much wisdom there. And I know for, again, someone listening who is maybe starting off and a little bit confused, could you talk about kind of what to eat when? I think people are confused. Should I eat before my workout? If I work out in the morning, do I have carbs? Do I have Mm. protein before or after? And then if that relates to the different roles of the macronutrients in the body, great. But I know people are kind of confused of, okay, do I have that snack before my exercise? Yeah, what that kind of looks like. So my golden rule um, inside the Nutrition Project, which is my specific nutrition online course where I teach people my whole methodology, which by the way, my methodology, I'm doing air quotes if you're just listening to the podcast here, my methodology really is based on medical fact and science that we know. I've just packaged it into the way that I teach it and it's wildly successful. But what I teach is there's a couple of rules that are really, really important. Number one If you want to feel your best, you really don't want to be going longer than four or five hours without eating a meal or a snack. So if you're someone who's dabbling with intermittent fasting, make sure you're doing it properly and do not exercise at the end of a fast. That is just a recipe for disaster for most women. So the the first rule of thumb to answer your, your very, you know, specific question, do I eat before a workout or not? Do not go longer than four to five hours max without eating a meal or a snack. So if your workout is coming up and it's five o'clock and you're finishing work and you had lunch at noon, right? That's five hours later. You've got to eat something before you go into your workout. You have to, because rule number two is don't go into your workout hungry or empty. You don't have to put a whole meal on your tummy either, but you don't want to go in empty or hungry. You will not get a good workout. I always tell my clients to think like an athlete. Do you think Serena Williams goes into a training session at the end of an eight-hour fast starved? No, she doesn't. No athlete does. They are always fueling before their activity. So those really are like the top three rules. You can start there. The question then becomes... Um, okay, so what do I eat? And that could be a very a longer conversation. But what I recommend is it's either a meal one to two hours before or a snack 30 to 60 minutes before if you need it, if you need it, right? You know, if you had lunch at two o'clock and you're working out at four o'clock, you probably don't need to eat, but I would eat after. Because again, you don't want to go longer than four to five hours without a meal or a snack. So if you had a big lunch and it's been a few hours and you want to go to the gym after work, have a snack. The most important, simplest way to do this is to get something that's easy to digest. That's a combination of protein and carbohydrates. It may or may not have fat, but really you want protein and carbs. So it could be a turkey jerky and a banana. It could be a hard-boiled egg and an apple. You know, that's protein, fat, and carbs. So get some protein, get some carbs, because when you bring them together, it stabilizes your blood sugar. Protein and carbs have to be eaten together to truly and effectively stabilize your blood sugar. That's when you're going to feel awesome during your workout. And so it could get way more complicated for sure. And that is what I do inside of my coaching programs and um, my digital courses, et cetera, et cetera. But it can be as simple as that. Don't go longer than four to five hours without eating a meal or a snack. 
Do not go into a workout empty or hungry. And if you're going to eat before a workout, something that's easy to digest, that's protein and carbs. And that alone can change your life. Perfect. Okay, good. Because I know, I mean, there's a lot of talk of different studies and things like that. And and I listened to a couple podcasts where the, the host is male and he talks about yeah. working out fast in the morning. Yeah. But yeah. the important conversation is women are not just small men and we need... Totally we are way different, different stuff. Exactly. Yeah. And can I, can we drive that home for a moment, Alex? Because that's so important. So many women are, women are listening to men's advice around fitness and nutrition. And some men are excellent, but a lot of the fitness and nutrition information out there is male focused and we are completely different. We really are. So thank you for saying that because that is, you know, you hear like this guy is, talking about this research and is talking about this kind of biohacking, all of that works awesome for men because of testosterone. But because of estrogen, it can really be, in fact, I would argue we are 180 degrees different than men. And so if it's working for him, run the other direction. And that's probably going to land you in territory that really works for a woman. And I'm not bashing men, by the way. I'm engaged to and soon to be married to a wonderful man. I am such a fan of men. And there really are a lot of super smart men out there. But as a woman, you've really got to filter that information and remember who you're listening to. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah. If it works for someone out there, awesome. But you really have to do the research of what's going to work for you and, and your body. And just because someone's doing a super intense workout, you know, fasted and doing the bulletproof coffee in the morning does not mean oh, it's going to work for you. And, and, yeah. you know, estrogen is also not the enemy and not the devil. Estrogen is super cool. Men can have their testosterone and then, you know, yes. it doesn't mean estrogen is bad whatsoever. And just, Agreed. you know, we deserve and we owe it to ourselves to find what works best for our bodies and for us. And so I love how you're just giving us all these tips and tricks on, on, the, the best way that women can do it and still feel energized and be resilient and, and, you know, be strong for whatever health crisis or emergency or whatever comes up in, in the future, just to be strong for that. Yeah. And just before we wrap up the conversation, because I want to be mindful of your time, is there anything that we didn't get to touch on that you're like, yes, I do want to bring up this topic. I heard this awesome quote recently, or just giving someone some motivation. Yeah, the one, I think the thing I want to leave you with that I think is really, really important, and this is really the crux of my next book, is that um, our society has really become so fat focused. And, and when I say fat, I don't necessarily mean fat people. It's just fat in general. Body fat is bad. Healthy fats are good to eat, right? But also um, within the body positivity movement where it's really none of our business to be commenting on someone else's body weight, right? We've got that too is linked to this kind of obsession about fat and body fat in particular. The thing that I want to offer is that we're so often looking at what a person's weight is or what their body fat percentage is. And that is all kinds of backwards. It's time to leave that behind. All that really matters is what percentage of your body is lean muscle. 
because 70, 60 to 70% of your body is muscle. And for some of us, I'd rather it be 70 to 80%. So why are we worried about that 23 or 25 or 30% of you that's body fat when it doesn't make us feel good? And so part of my mission is a call to arms to other fitness and nutrition and medical professionals to say, hey, let's let all that go and let's just start asking people, what is your percentage of lean muscle mass? And let's get that up. Because if I can get your lean muscle mass percentage up by 5%, all these good things that we've just talked about are going to be yours. And oh, by the way, your body fat's going to be down, right? Like reducing body fat shouldn't be the goal. Getting your lean muscle mass percentage up is going to bring you that thing, but ultimately it's going to give you all those other benefits that we're talking about. And so no one's talking about this really from a real movement perspective, if you will. And so I'm just hoping that anyone listening... If you are hoping to achieve your ideal body weight, whatever it is, or if you're hoping to achieve a body composition that represents a super fit person, I just so encourage you to approach it from what can I do to get my lean muscle mass percentage up? Because if you do that, it's like all of the gifts are going to be yours. I love that so much. And I'm I, I do true, truly and honestly believe that that is the way of the future, you know, when you're going into, like you said, a doctor's office or wherever, and the focus is less on fat percentage and more on that, you know, that muscle and, and your energy and how are you feeling and are you in a good frame of mind? And so I absolutely love that. And for someone who's like, okay, I like that too. How can they calculate that this muscle percentage? That's where it's tricky. Um, It's really hard to do that on your own at home. It's almost impossible. So um, there are um, some ways to check your body composition through what's called bioelectrical impedance. So if you have a smart scale in your bathroom where you stand on it and barefoot and it tells you your percentage of body fat, that's using a technology called bioelectrical impedance. Or if you go to the gym and they've got the in-body machine. So you can find free ways to check your current body composition. That being said, bioelectrical impedance really isn't that accurate. So what is already happening in this industry is that accurate screening of your body composition is becoming more common. And so the most common is a DEXA scan, D-E-X-A or D-X-A. Historically, a DEXA scan was only used in hospitals to check your bone density or at um, medical intervention clinics for people who are morbidly obese that need to lose a lot of of fat. But what's happening is these machines, these DEXA machines are becoming a lot more common. Every major city has one and you can walk in and you can pay $30 to $70 and get your body composition scanned. I think in the future, doctor's offices are going to have mini DEXA, DEXA screenings. And that's what I'm hoping is that it will become more commonplace 
that you can accurately test your body composition. But if you are someone who's like, ooh, this is a cool conversation and I want to do this, just do a Google search in your area for D-E-X-A, all caps, D-E-X-A or D-X-A. And it might be a small investment, but honestly, it's the best investment you can make. You only need to do it once a year, maybe every six months if you want and you can afford to. That's going to really give you an accurate reflection of how much lean muscle mass you have. And it's going to tell you the percentage, the percentage you want to go for. I want you to first start, your first goal is to achieve 70% lean muscle mass. And then the ultimate goal is somewhere between 70 and 80% lean muscle mass. That's the ultimate goal. If you're between 70 and 80, you're healthy. But if you are below 70, you've got to take some actions to get yourself to 70% lean muscle mass. And isn't that inspiring and motivating? That feels a whole lot better than saying you're 40% body fat, you're obese, go lose weight. Wow. How depressing is that? And that is what doctors are telling their patients. It's a problem. Yep, for sure. And this new way that you're explaining is more of coming from a place where, you know, we can achieve that goal in a loving way and compared to, oh, you should lose whatever amount of body fat percentage is kind of like doing it from a perspective of, oh, I hate my body. I need to do this compared to achieving muscle mass in my brain. That's like, oh, this is cool. I can aim for this in in a good way. And it feels good to add something in than to take something away. So it's kind of like that perspective. Right. You're gaining instead of losing. Doesn't it feel so much better to gain lean muscle mass than to lose? Nobody wants to lose anything, right? And so if we don't want to lose anything, doesn't that get applied to body fat too? So we flip the conversation. It's really a trick of the mind but or trick of language, but it's super, super powerful. I could not agree more. And I've absolutely loved this conversation. So I just want to acknowledge you and for sharing all this information, Holly, and your book is your current book is such a great resource. And I can't wait for your next book to come out. And things that I've loved about this book are the different images that you show and you give such great tips of um, the one I love that's sticking out in my mind right now is to overcome that that gym intimidation, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> gym intimidation and, and all yep. that type of stuff. Yep. And you give some really tangible tips of, okay, bring your own music. And like you said, even in this conversation, go with your own workout plan. And so for anyone who is a little bit intimidated on where to get started, I do find this book is just such a good resource just to get started and start learning some of the, the strength training exercises and how to eat is really wonderful. Thank you. And that book is Lift to Get Lean. You can still find it online. Um, some bookstores are still carrying it. And then if you are not a book person, come over to my website at hollyperkins.com forward slash offer. And you're going to be able to download a six-week strength and cardio plan that can be done at home or at the gym. So if you are someone who's like, I need a program, this is one of my free resources that um, thousands and thousands and thousands, I wish I could say millions, someday it'll be millions, but <laughs> thousands and thousands and thousands of women have downloaded. And so if you just need a quick free resource, that's perfect. That's wonderful. And where are you hanging out the most? Are you on your website or on Instagram? 
Yeah. So I have taken a little bit of a social media hiatus and I will be getting back to Instagram. I would say Instagram and my Instagram would be my, my kind of primary social media channel. I do a lot through my website, hollyperkins.com. And then also my email list. That's where I really communicate the most. That's where I share all my freebies. I give the best information. Um, and so if you you do come grab the six-week strength and cardio plan. That'll put you on my email list and we'll be able to stay in touch that way. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on, Holly. It was truly a pleasure to chat with you. Yeah, Alex, thank you so much. I love what you're doing. I love your message. And I just, it was so fun to connect with you. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Holly as much as I did. If you liked this episode, feel free to share it with a friend, subscribe, rate, or review this podcast. I really read everything that you guys submit, so thank you so much for all the kind words. And for more health, wellness, and lifestyle tips, you can always come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at nutritionmoderation or online at nutritionmoderation.com. I hope you have an amazing day wherever you are, and I'll chat with you very, very soon. Yeah.